You know, we live in a world that has a real uh, deficit or dearth of heroes. <laughs> we, in fact, that's why when we look around and we see a hero, we see someone who does something just amazing. It's so significant because we're thinking, wow, they sacrificed. They gave of themselves. And whether it's, it's someone who, who, uh, who uh, gave their life in defending us as, as a country or some other story, it's just it's significant. It's powerful to see that. And we, and we love those stories. But in, in relationship to that and thinking about fathers, there's something that I, I, I think is real important to understand. As a father, you are a default hero. All fathers start out as heroes. Now, where we go from there, that's what we're talking about. But when, if you're just there, you have to be there. That's the only thing. You have to be present. But if you're there, you're, you are a hero. From that little girl looking up or that little boy looking up all the way until they get older, you are their hero. And the more you're there, the more you're there interacting with them or playing with them or doing having tea with your daughter, whatever it is, uh, whatever that is, you, it, as you're there, that hero is reinforced and that influence is reinforced. But you see, dads, by default, don't do anything to be the hero. They can mess it up. How I many you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we can mess it up, but we get to start out as a hero. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, that's true even in our relationship with God. See, we are a hero. We are a, in right relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. We didn't earn it. We can't work for it. We can't do anything to make us uh, uh, better in our relationship, in our, in our salvation with God. In fact, the, the, the Bible talks about our, the righteousness that we have is imputed to us. Now, that's just a fancy word for meaning it's accredited to us. It was added into us. It's not even our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ because Christ is the one that is added into us. That's what makes us righteous. So we start out righteous, but how many know we have to keep living in that? And that's, that's important to understand, even though we are, uh, and some people, think, okay, I gave my life to Christ, or I made a, a, a commitment to God, and then that's it. And they go off and live their own life, and they miss it. And that would be just like a father who, who is there when the child is born and, and spends a little time and then says, okay, you know, I did my thing, and I'm going to move on. No, no, no. That's the world's thinking. That's not, that's not what God wants. God wants us to be more. You see, and I believe that, that this understanding of our relationship with God is significant even as we understand how we get stronger with God, how we move forward, how we surge in what God wants to do in our life, how we become the Christian heroes. We have to keep living in it. We have to, we have to when we see the, the obstacles or the difficulties or the problems, that every one of us face, when we see those in front of us, when we see that mountain in front of us, we have to be able to say, God, I'm going to take this mountain. I'm going to stand in that mountain. And so that's why I, I want to uh, title this message this, this morning that God put in my heart, Yeti Men. Yeti Men. <laughs> you see, I wore the shirt, Yeti, you know, all that. Got the mountain on the back. Yeti. And, and I just did that to just reinforce the idea. What, is, what does it mean, Yeti Men? So we know a Yeti is uh, uh, the abominable snowman, right? <laughs> And the, this is the thing about that uh, creature. <laughs> it owns that mountain. It knows every part of it. It, it lives up in the, on the mountain, but whatever mountain it's on, it owns it. It, it. 
it, he walks around wherever he walks, wherever it is, that's its mountain. He knows everything about it, everything about what is going on. And I believe if we're going to surge as fathers, if we're going to see our families become stronger, if we're going to surge, we're going to have to start to own the mountain. We're going to have to own those problems. We're going to have to own the, 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 the attacks of the enemy that come against us. That, stand, that so easily seem to overcome us, how do we stand against that? How do we, how do we become these mountain men, these yeti men that take uh, 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 stands and say, God, I'm going to believe for my family. I'm going to believe for what you're doing in my life. I'm going to really see a change in what is going on. How does that happen? And what does it really mean to take a mountain? What does that mean? I, I love this uh, scripture in Romans, Romans 8, 37. And maybe you know it, we quote it, very often, a lot of people do. It says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. So just leave that up just, just a minute. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. And you see, what we usually do is focus on is the more than conquerors part. Yeah, I want to I conquer my problem. I'm going to overcome the temptation. I'm going to see God move in my life. I'm going to see this uh, healing or this miracle. I'm, I'm going to see that. So we, we claim the, the conquer, and that's important you got to have that mentality. If you just think, I'm always going to lose, you're never going to get there. But I want to draw your attention on the part of the, the verse that is the power for the conquering that we often miss. It says, in all these things, in all these things, in all these things, hmm, what things? So obviously, to, to be a conqueror, he's already talked about something. And so we need to go back just a, a few verses, and it lists them. It says, through, through dangers and toils and hardship and persecution um, and, and famine and, and, uh, and, and sword and all these things, through these things, these are the things that were more than conquerors. Those are the things, the things that come against us, the things that, that are able to sort of uh, push against us, and we think, oh, I'm not strong enough, I can't stand in this, I can't, can't believe... God is going to use me in this way or, or that way. And these things, these are the things, these are the things that God has given us victory over. So whatever your things are, <laughs> see, I don't know all your things, but I'm sure in that list one of those things hit you. <laughs> one of those things are, is like, man, God, just somehow overcome this, somehow move in this area, somehow help me win this or be victorious in this. How do we, how do we see that? I want to tell you the story of Caleb. Caleb was one of the uh, 12 spies, 12 leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel that were chosen by Moses to go into the promised land. They had come out of Egypt. They had an incredible victory out of Egypt. They had marched through the wilderness um, uh, for a short time, and now they're at the edge of the promised land. And, and Moses picked 12 leaders, one from every tribe. And said, I want you to go out. Now, it's important to understand how he gave, what he commissioned them to do. He didn't commission them to say, okay, go see if we can do this. No, no. He said, I want you to spy out the land. See what areas are good and what areas aren't. See what cities are walled and what cities aren't walled. See what places are really strong fortresses and other places that are wide open that we can come in and take quickly and easily. Find out all of those things. And so Caleb does that with uh, the 11 others, and then they come back, and, of course, you might know the story that 10 of them are going, man, we are so toast that this is going to be really, really difficult. This is going to be hard. We can't do this. The, the city's walls are too big, too strong. We're not able to stand up against all of these things. 
And so the, but the two of them, Caleb and Joshua, said, no, 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 we can do this. We can take this land. And because of that, because of that, God said, Caleb, here's a promise. Everywhere you walked, everywhere you went out to spout the land, it's yours. Your, and not yours, now watch this, it wasn't just his, but it was his tribes, because he represented Judah, which was the largest tribe, by, by the way. So he said, all of this land will be yours. So he, Caleb walked out the land, he had the promise of God. Now, 45 years later, 45 years later, they're back at the same spot. Now, been in the wilderness for about 40 years, and they had taken the land. They had defeated all the standing armies, but there were still walled cities and strongholds all over the place, right? Every, every, every place. And so they're standing there, and what's about to happen is they're about to divide up the land and say, okay, what tribe gets this land? What tribe gets this land? What tribe gets this land? And as they're doing that, and they're trying to figure out what tribe gets what land, all of a sudden, Caleb stepped up. <laughs> I love this. I love this because, you see, he had a promise 45 years ago. And this is, this is our key verse, Joshua 14. Look at verse 12. He says, now, give me, he's talking to Joshua. So it's, it's uh, Caleb and Joshua. Joshua is going to say, we're going to cast lots and divide up where the, where the land goes. And then he said, give me this mountain. I love that. I want that phrase in your heart. I want that phrase in your mind. I want that over in your Give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. Remember, this is 45 years later. Give me this mountain. So whether he's talking to, uh, pointing to a map or they happen to be close to where it is, where the, this mountain was, he says, I walk that land. God promised me that land. Now give me this mountain that the Lord promised me that day 45 years ago. Their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord, I want you, I'm going to break this down, but the Lord helped me. I will drive them out just as he said. The Lord help me, and I will drive them out just as he said. You know, I call this, this is the hold this circle. This, if we're going to live whole lives, if we're going to live a life that is complete and everything that God wants us to do, this is your wholeness circle. This is how you do it. You say, how do I live whole before God? How do I live complete before God? This is, this is where it lays out. First, you need to look at the heart of power. The heart of power. Because God is the one that helps. That's what he starts with. God is the one that, that does this. Now, especially for us guys, you got to get, man, we, we think we've done this, and God can help me here, and I'm going to do this, and God can help me here. And, and we need to understand, this is God in us. This is God working this. It has to be God's power. We can't do it on our own. We can't, God is the one that does that. Whether it's our salvation, whether it's our, our being a good father or being a good husband or having a, a good relationships at work and being successful in our businesses, whatever that is, God has to be the power. And that is the wholeness that we need to understand. So here's, this is where it started. It always starts with a heart of power. God's the one. God's one. But in this wholeness circle, uh, after you have heart of power, you have a heart of persistence. You have a heart of persistence. Because you see, the heart of persistence says, I will drive them out. Now, these two, sometimes we lose the connection. Wait a minute. I thought God was doing it. This is all God. And sometimes I've seen believers, I've seen followers and Christians sit back and say, hey, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to work it out. God's going to do it. God's going to work. And you sit down and you do nothing. You're missing the circle of wholeness. That, that is not going to get you to a whole heart. 
because it's, a, it's the heart of power, but the heart of power always has to lean into the heart of persistence where it says, I will drive them out. God's going to help me. God's going to empower me. God's going to do this. And so whatever your mountain is, if you're looking at that mountain, say, how do I get that mountain? <laughs> how do I climb that? How do I, how do I see that in, done in my life? The mountains are big and ominous, and they're scary sometimes. And we're not able, we're not, we're thinking, how do I get up there? How do I change it? How do I do that? How do I, how do I achieve what, what God wants to do? It just seems so big and so impossible. But you know what the, the amazing part about how God works? The bigger the more impossible, the more you rely on God's power, and the more you have to stand in faith saying, I believe God's going to do this, and have a, a, a heart of persistence. But, so if you say, yeah, I, I'm going to trust God, and yeah, I'm going to be strong, and I'm going to do it, and miss this last one, you missed everything. Because this is what makes it whole, and that's a heart of promise. It has to be a heart of promise, just like God said he would. See, see how this works? <laughs> you got to get this. You said, we going to trust God for the power, and then I'm going to stand in persistence. I'm going to believe God's going to move in my life, but we only move in what God has promised. We can only move in where God is moving, what God is doing in our life, and you need to make sure that your wholeness that you're trying to live and your wholeness in your heart is going to, is aimed toward heart of power. God's doing this, heart of persistence. I'm going to stand in this, but this is the promise of God. You know what God's promised? God's promised that he will restore your relationships. God's promised that he will heal, heal your body. God's promised that he will move in your life. And you got to trust him for that. you got to believe him. you got to hang on to that promise. Here's Caleb 45 years later saying, I remember God said it, and I'm going to stand in it because it was the promise. You, know, you realize that in, in the entire Old Testament, the word wholeheartedly is used many times. I think it's about 16 times. Half of those directly applied to Caleb. God directly applied that to Caleb. Half of the, out of the, this word being used in the entire Bible, God said over and over, Caleb was wholehearted. Man, he, he was wholehearted. That's what made the difference. And you're thinking, man, I want to have that Caleb spirit. I want to claim that mountain. I want to be that Yeti man that owns the mountain that says, God, give me this mountain. And I, I believe with all my heart. The word this is we need people, not just men, but we need people that say, God, give me this mountain. God, give me this mountain. God, I believe, I believe you're going to do this in my, in my whole heart. So that's what it means, I believe, wholeheartedly. How do we do that? How do I live wholeheartedly? I'll say, okay, Greg, I want to live wholeheartedly. I want to live like Caleb. How, how can I do that? Let me just lay out a few thoughts that I think will really help us. You see, Yeti men live wholeheartedly by taking a stand. <laughs> You got to take a stand. You got to take a stand. Yeah, you, you see, this world pushes us around. This world is like canceling here and doing this and intimidating here and doing there. And if you're not willing to stand up and say, "This is what God wants in my life. This is what God's going to do. This is I'm going to stand true to God." If you're not willing to take a stand, you're not going to make it. It's, what's fascinating is seeing this story and growing up in church all my life and hearing this story. I always envisioned it. As, 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 as Joshua coming up and Joshua saying, no, you know, because Joshua eventually became the leader. Joshua was a leader. He was a leader by nature. So it would be very natural for him to say, no, we can take this land. Come on. And Caleb behind him going, yes, yes, yes. But let me tell you, Caleb was much more than a yes man in this because the first occurrence of somebody speaking up wasn't Joshua. It was Caleb. 
In fact, late, later on it says that Joshua and Caleb and Caleb and Joshua stood up and said no. But this first occurrence was all about Caleb. <laughs> and Caleb stand up and said, no, 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 I'm going to take a stand. Okay, he's one leader. He's one leader among 12 uh, of the tribes. And there's Moses there and everything's there. So he had a lot to lay on the line. Look at what it says in Numbers chapter 13 in verse 30. I love this verse. It says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. Okay, who's in charge? Moses, he like faces glowing, you know, being the presence of God. And Caleb said, no, 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 come on, I got something to say. I'm going to make a stand here. I know you're intimidated. I know you're scared. I know it's like that. But let me tell you what I saw. Let me tell you what I believe God's going to do. Caleb took a stand and said, we, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. He was willing to take a stand. He was willing to speak up. Are we willing to speak up? When the enemy comes and defeats us again (laughs) with that temptation, with that failure, are we willing to speak up saying, no, I know, I know God, salvation. I know he's doing this. I know his strength's in me. I know I can do it. At the time, as we find out later, Cable is probably about 40, but that's probably about average age compared to everyone else. And, and it would have been real intimidating to silence the other 11 tribes and ask Moses, Moses, let me speak. <laughs> Even Joshua, he said, no, no, I'm going to take a stand. You're going to have to take a stand. If you're going to live with your whole heart, and that's how we become Yeti men, that's how we stand strong in the things of God, that's how we take the mountain is that we have a whole heart. But a whole heart comes with someone who's willing to say, I'm willing to, I'm willing to stand for the things of God. That means we beat up people. That doesn't mean we yell at people. But it does mean we, we need to know what God's doing in our life. And he had a lot to put on the line. Judah was the largest tribe, which, which, which meant most of the people, most of the soldiers would come from Judah. Probably they estimate almost half. That's how big Judah was. So he was putting men on the line when he spoke up. Are we willing to stand up? Are we willing to act? Are we willing to do something in our lives and say, God, I'm going to trust you when that temptation is there? When all these things are there. I love the story of Darren Harrison. Have you heard of him? It's just this little story that popped up and then went away. But Darren and his friend were coming back, I think, from a fishing trip, and they're in this plane. And all of a sudden, the pilot passes out. Nightmare scenario. <laughs> Praying for you all the time. So just all of a sudden, the pilot passes out, and he, and he falls forward. And as he falls forward, he puts the plane in a dive. Now, Darren and his other guys there, they don't know how to fly, never flown a day, nothing, nothing. So Darren jumps up, doesn't know what to do, looks out and sees, okay, that ground's coming really quick, (laughs) and has to understand something. I either do something or I die. I either do something or I die. And I think that kind of spirit is what we need to understand in our relationship with God. I'm either going to take a stand against sin and against compromise, against going half-hearted. I'm either going to stand up and be completely devoted to God or I'm going to die or my family's going to die or, or the, we're not going to make it. He pulls the pilot out uh, and sits down and thinks, okay, all I know is we're going down and we need to go up and pulls back just, just enough to get it out of the dive. And, and I, I don't have time to, I wish I could put his recording on, but they have him recorded where he, where he calls the tower and says, uh, 
I think we got a problem. Houston, wherever he's at, I don't know. <laughs> we, we got a problem. And he says, Pilate's passed out, and, and uh, uh, I'm here, and I don't know how to fly. He says, you what? I don't know how to fly. So they've got some smart person that says, okay, this is what you do, step by step. And he landed the plane completely safe. Come on. you got to take a stand. He might have thought, no, I can't do this. I don't know how to fly. How many times does God say, I want you to do this. I want you to be involved here. I want you to be connected here. I want you to give this. I want you to do that. And you're like, I can't do that. I, can't, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to be that. What if I fail? What if I mess up? Everyone was going to die. He took a stand. I love that story. And we have to be able to do that. We live in a sin-soaked world. And I'm not telling you anything new. But the... The pornography and the, and the lust and everything that's in, that attacks men on a daily basis out there is everywhere. And a wholehearted man has to stand up and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give in to that. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to be strong in what God is trying to do. That's how we take the mountain. You say, Greg, how do I live wholeheartedly? Take a stand against the sin, against the compromise, against the fear in your life. I... I I'm amazed. It seems like fear has taken over everywhere. In, in, in so many different levels, people are afraid. we got to say, God, I trust you. It's scary. <laughs> that ground is coming up quick. <laughs> but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to pull back. I'm going to take a stand. Here's my second thought. See, if we're going to be Yeti men, we're going to stand strong and live a, with a whole heart. This is what all it's about. How do we live with a whole heart? We have to do so with a different spirit. Now, this is going to go opposite direction than you think. Because if you look at the different spirit there that Caleb had, what was most significant is that he believed. He believed. He had a different spirit. Look what it says in, in, in Numbers chapter 12. I think it's verse 24, yes. But because my servant, this is God talking about Caleb, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, then I will bring him into the land he went to. And his descendants, his inheritance will be there. Because, okay, now watch this. See those as qualifiers. You have to follow him to have a whole heart. But before you can even follow him, you're going to have to live with a different spirit. We can't have the spirit of this world. We just can't live that way. Now, I know we need to be strong. I know we need to take the stand. I know we need to do that. But at the same time, we need to have a different spirit of how we live and how we act toward other people. Reminding of a couple of stories, and one is Elijah. See, Elijah on the mountain, Mount Carmel, he prayed. And then the, the fire fell, and then all the, the Baal uh, uh, worshipers, they turned and began to serve the Lord. Now, right after that, you have this amazing occurrence where Elijah gets depressed and discouraged. And you're thinking, what is, why is he so fearful? Why is he depressed? Why is he discouraged? His words give him away. Because in his words, he says, he says I'm the only one. Everyone else has abandoned you. Because you see, what he saw is even though he owned the mountain and the fire came down and God ruled at this incredible event, the people quickly turned away. And he said, they don't love you, God. They don't serve you. He dismissed them. He, he pushed them aside. And God said, I want you to go to the mountain, and I want you to stand in, in the middle of the mountain, and I'm going to show you my presence. And fire came, and wind came, and earthquake came. And in each one of those, 
It's, the Bible says God was not in them. But you see, the whole time that was going on, Elijah should have been on the mountain, and he was in the cave. He never came out of the cave. He just watched from a distance. Caleb, man, Yeti men, men that changed the world around us, men that stand strong have to have a different spirit. Because the whole point of this was there was a gentle wind, just a breeze. And God was in the presence of the breeze. God was in the gentleness that was going on. And I think he was trying to tell Elijah something. It's, it's not in the harshness. I will keep my people. I have people. I, will, I, will, I have 10,000 people that, have, that I've kept. I, they will be there. But you have to have a different spirit. You can't have the spirit of they're not going to make it and it's, it's not going to be there. And you see, sometimes we think, even as guys, we think, oh, Yeti men, <laughs> be strong. And we have to be strong, but being strong means we have a different spirit. Ephesians 4.2, be completely, be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing one another in love. You see, the picture I want you to have of, of in, to take a stand is the Yeti, abominable snowman climbing, claiming that mountain. Have that picture. You see him? You see him climbing the mountain? Well, the picture I want you to see now is, is the, the abominable snowman Yeti coming in with a tray, bringing breakfast in bed for his Yeti wife. That's what I picture I want you to see. Hey, both are there. Do we have this spirit that changes the world? See, the world condemns. They're judging. Man, aren't they? Everything is judgment. Everything is this, and that's wrong, and they cancel this, and they do this, and it's just, it's just it's crazy. That's not our spirit. And the Yeti men is not someone who's just strong and powerful and trusts God for all those things, but it knows how to love, knows how to care, knows how to be a servant, knows how to be gentle. Don't be bossing your wife around all the time. Come on, women. That's it. That's your cue. Hey, man, there it is. But you see, because that's a different spirit. And if we're going to change this world, if we're going to live wholeheartedly, we have to have a different spirit. A spirit that trusts God, to stand strong in the midst of all of this, to stand strong in the midst of all these things. Here's my last thought. See, Yeti men live wholeheartedly by seeing beyond your now. <laughs> you got to see beyond what's going on right now. You have to see beyond what's going on. What, live in the now? Good. Live in the now? Yes. But you have to see beyond that. Caleb, 45 years later, after he first walked on that mountain, Claim the promise. 45 years later, he was, since he first walked on the mountain, there he is, 45 years later. He's walking in that. You know, it would have been easy for him to go, oh, God, I'm getting up there, you know, the back sort of sore. You know, come on. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Nobody admits it. But anyway, he could have said, hey, give me a soft spot. Give me this spot that's already conquered. Give me this spot that's already, that's already good. Give me this spot. But no, 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 no. He was willing to say, the mountain that God promised, I'm going to take that. This mountain, that's what I believe in. That's what God's going to try to do. He wasn't trying to grow vegetables, as cool as that is, right? Okay, don't, don't beat me up, all you gardeners. In the back 40 and just relax. He was willing to say, give me the hardest part. The part at 85, he was claiming the land that still struck fear in the, eye, in the heart's 
of the Israelites. He was doing it, and he was standing there saying, I'll do this. And he was standing there with his whole family. You see, he saw beyond when he was 40 and said, you know what? I see those, those fortresses, but God is able to do it. He saw beyond that. And then, and then at 85, here he is and seeing beyond his pain and his weakness. And his, because he said, I'm as strong as I ever was. How many know he was 85? He probably wasn't as strong as he ever was. <laughs> you know, part of that is just being, okay, that's what we do. <clears throat> but he saw beyond who he is. He, he might have thought, you know what? We're going to take this mountain, and I may not even finish it. But my family will. This is an inheritance for them. And, you, and, and if we're going to live wholeheartedly, we have to see beyond right now. We have to see beyond. I do that all the time. This is what God has put in me as a pastor for you, for your families. I see beyond. I know where you're struggling. I know where you're hurting. I know where you're weak. I know these things. And I see beyond. I see strength. And I see healing. And I see wholeness. And I see relationship. I see beyond that. And I believe that for you. You have to do that for your, for you and your family. See, I believe my family is going to grow up and know God. They're not going to grow up and turn away from God. I believe that. I see that. Do you see that? Do you believe that? Is that something? You see, we have to, we have to stand. We have to be strong. We have to take a stand. And sometimes that means to, to, to speak up. But we also have to have a different spirit. We have to be willing to love people. Being strong isn't, isn't just beating up on people and pushing people around. It's loving them, caring for them. And helping them understand who God is. And then we have to see beyond. Beyond your excuses. It would have been really easy for Caleb to go, man, I'm just, I can't really see. I know the mountain's out there, I can't really see it. Or I'm hurting, or I'm weak. Whatever excuses they are, it's easy to do, isn't it? I can't serve you wholeheartedly, God. I'm going to compromise here a little bit because of this excuse or that excuse or, or these things in my life or this person or my background or what they did or what they said, whatever. It's all there. And this is for all of us. We can stand. We can see God move. There's a mountain for you. God has it. If you, just, if you believe, if you trust that God, I'm going to stand in you. I'm going to stand in your power. I'm going to have your spirit, not my spirit. Your spirit, not mine. Spirit that loves. Spirit that forgives. Spirit that believes in people. Spirit that hopes for people. A spirit that, that encourages people. And, and God, it's not about now. The motto for our church, the verse out of Psalms, is that, that, that we are creating, we are building for a generation not yet even here. We're building right now. We're investing right now. We're sowing right now. We're, we're seeing people come to Christ right now for people that don't even, that aren't even know God. But one day will. Because <laughs> I see it. Because I see it. Do that for your family. Do that for your finances. Do that for your business. Do that for your children. Do that for your parents. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for what you're doing in our life. Holy Spirit, come and breathe on every single person in this place. God, we want to be people serving you with our whole heart, with our whole heart, with all that we are. Because, God, I know that even though the mountain seems overwhelming, 
that you're going to help us claim it and stand on it. And God, we just claim that. I claim that right now for each person, whatever it is, whatever struggles before them, whatever uh, fear or doubt or worry or anything that's before God, we claim that right now. We claim our children. <laughs> we claim our family, our parents. We claim, Father, what you're doing in our life. And God, we believe that you're going to move it with, as we serve you with our whole heart, with a different spirit, believing for more. So, Father, I pray right now, because I believe, God, watching or in this room, there are people that haven't given you everything, their whole heart. Maybe it's been religion or something outside, but, God, not something real. But right now, you're touching them, and you want their whole heart. So, Father, as they pray with me, I pray that you would move in the most powerful way in their life. And if you're in that situation, I want you to pray, Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of all of my sin. Make me new. Forgive me, God, and wash me completely with the power of your love and your spirit. I receive you now. Amen.